when I started this podcast at the end of 2018, it came off the back of stagnation and information silos in the industry. And sometimes it kind of felt like the go-to approach to doing business in healthcare, particularly when it came to technology, was to always keep your cards close to your chest or watch your back. And the last company standing wins, you know, the winner-take-all approach. But I'd say over the past six to 12 months in particular, maybe a little more, we've seen this gradual shift towards more industry engagement, more open discussion, more partnerships to deliver better healthcare for patients, leveraging the strengths and connections of a vast array of stakeholders in the ecosystem. I mean, don't get me wrong, we're nowhere near being done, but there is a good amount of hope. We're kind of going in the right direction here. And one person who's been a strong advocate for partnering for growth and solving tricky problems in healthcare for quite a long time is Simon Terry from Lantern Pay. And in this episode, we're going to talk about payments in healthcare. We'll talk about the importance of, dare I say, collaborative conversations to solve problems. And this growing acceptance within the industry that one size does not always, in fact, fit all. So I'm looking forward to this one. Let's get cracking. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Simon Terry, the Chief Growth Officer at InLoop and Lantern Pay. Simon is responsible for Lantern Pay's healthcare claim payment solutions for providers and schemes. He's also an active member of the Talking Health Tech community, and he's previously hosted a Share What You Know session for our members on partnering for growth. And he's also participated in a panel session at our Winter Summit earlier this year about payments in healthcare. Hey, Simon, how are you going? Well, thanks, Pete. It's great to be here. Good to have you. Thank you so much for making the time. It's great to chat on the podcast finally. We've engaged, obviously, in the Talking Health Tech community as well as some other bits and pieces we've done, but finally having you on the show. So thanks again. For those that don't know you, Simon, tell us a little bit more about you and your background, please. Yeah, thanks, Pete. I've been working around the digital health space now for about eight or nine years. So got involved uh, when I became the CEO of Highcaps several years ago and really got excited about the energy and the space. I left Highcaps and did some technology consulting and then uh, four years ago joined Lantern Pay to really power their health payments agenda and the work they're doing in disability as well and uh, have been driving growth for Lantern Pay for the last four years as they've moved from processing NDIS claims to working in healthcare for a number of government schemes, now private health insurance, and we just rolled out Medicare claiming with a full suite of Medicare web services, which is exciting. Yeah, it's obviously very necessary in healthcare too. That's great. And we we had you participate on a panel at the Winter Summit earlier this year, and that was about healthcare payments and, and that exciting space. Were there any key takeaways from that or maybe even just a summary of the state of payments in healthcare today? You've seen it, you've seen it for quite a while now. Yeah, look, I think the really exciting thing is we're now seeing the vision that people have had for a long time about payments needed a revolution in healthcare. You know, we needed to move to the next level of technology. We needed to stop 
having really siloed solutions. We needed to embrace what the cloud has as potential in terms of data, in terms of flexibility, in terms of integration for providers. You know, we were talking all about this at the summit, but the great thing is we're seeing so much momentum in that space. I mean, there's been the big transactions with the major banks and others getting behind the payments providers, but we're also seeing, you know, whether it's major payers in the landscape from private health insurers to Medicare itself, or it's the providers just seeing the value of new solutions. And, you know, we're seeing fantastic growth in Lantern Pay because, being able to bring a new solution for pathology claiming in for private health insurance to market and seeing that just get, you know, fantastic take up from providers because we're solving the problems that the industry has been looking to be solved. Yeah. And that's something I took away from that session in particular is looking at, say, more of the call of finance or fintech side of things and how natural it seemed to have collaborations or partnerships that were value adding for the betterment of the overall delivery. That seemed a little bit more second nature in that fintech side. So when you bring together the payments and the healthcare side, where in healthcare traditionally, lesser now, but like a few years ago, very much it's been a lot of turf protection or resistance from within the industry for partners to kind of work together. But seemingly, it seems even recently seeing a few partners work together in the payment space in healthcare. And in the end, it benefits patients and providers and payers, like all all the different stakeholders. Yeah, look, I think it's for those people with a bit of a finance background, interconnection is a kind of concept they've had and understand. And, you know, we certainly built Lantern Pay with open APIs at both ends. If it's new payers who want to get involved in our platform, then, you know, fully open to that. If it's people who want to consume our services, including others in the ecosystem, then there's great opportunities there because it is about bringing solutions to market that really meet individuals' needs. And there are certainly plenty of players in healthcare trying to make innovation happen and great payment solutions are a key part of that landscape. So, It's also a pretty small world where people know each other and have worked together in the past and there's opportunities to collaborate on sensible things that are great for customers. But you know more than the payment side as well too in terms of healthcare and and as I understand you've done a little bit in partnership with the AIDH, is that right, facilitating some conversations there? Yeah, look, I've done a number of sessions for them over a number of years and most recently the AIDH has done a series of conversations in partnership with Cerner, looking at some key trends in digital health in Australia. And so those trends are things like clinical data interchange, which is a really key topic, how to better manage customer engagement in new digital health innovations, and also looking at a key trend for those in the payment space, which is how the industry is moving towards value-based healthcare. And so, look, it was a really fascinating series of conversations because it invited, you know, each of them had about 30 participants, people across all sorts of aspects from researchers to major healthcare providers to clinicians and others, and it brought them together in a conversation about what's going on now, what can we learn from that, what are the opportunities in the next phase? And I thought I'd run a similar session about four years back for AIDH. And it would be fair to say that that conversation was a lot about the barriers 
and the challenges and how hard it was to get innovation up and running. But there was a really strong difference in the dynamic of this year's conversation. And in fact, it gave me massive enthusiasm because it was full of examples of people just saying, oh, yeah, we've gone on and done that. Our, you know, local health area has gone and solved that problem. We've brought together the emergency departments, the GPs, and this is what we're doing. And it was just a great example of there's so much local innovation in tech and health tech in Australia. There's so much great activity going on that's really trying to solve those systemic problems that have been around for ages and that, that the industry needs to crack to move to the next level. So it was, was exciting to hear what's happening and hopefully we can do some work to spread some of that success. Yeah. I really love those conversations that happen at the uh, local level, hearing from local health districts, area health networks, like say, you know, hospital groups where there's a couple of them in the talking health tech community as well, where they've come up and solved problems. And then we're starting to see now they've got these platforms to be able to have these conversations across groups because it's not like they've got a annual, you know, team meeting of all the you know, hospital groups. Yeah. It's, Every hospital um, group in Australia gets together. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But they're all facing different challenges and solve them in different ways, partnering with different stakeholders. And I think there's a lot of value in them kind of hearing those success stories or challenges that were too hard to overcome and sharing and collaborating, as you say. So Yeah, and I thought that one of the things that was really powerful about about this conversation was that there's a consistent theme of one size doesn't fit all. And I think that's really liberating for your community, the talking health tech community, because so many people are trying to create solutions for particular use cases and particular groups of end users and particular situations in healthcare. And I think some of the industry response previously has been, well, if you can't solve everything for everyone in every use case, we won't start. Whereas there was a great recognition from hospital providers and, and others to say, look, we now recognise that what we might use in one part of our business, but what we might use for customer engagement or what we might use for a different solution can be different. We need to focus on the interconnectivity and sensible exchange of data between those people. And we've got to have the hygiene in place for privacy and all the important things that come with being a healthcare business. But we can actually pick the most agile, the most relevant, the best solution and work those together with, you know, some of the enterprise systems which have moved their capabilities forward in leaps and bounds to accommodate that kind of innovation as well. So it was that was an exciting thing, I think, to see people thinking about how different kinds of technology would come together to make solutions to all the complex use cases that exist in healthcare. Yeah, I know. That's such a critical point, and it's one that I'm sure we'll touch on in more detail in subsequent conversations. But I want to kind of drill into it a little bit more because something that always, the challenge with doing that often, and it's quite generalized because we're not talking about a specific example, but something that often is thought about when you talked before about, you know, if I can't solve the problem for everyone, then we won't solve it. The opposite is if you solve for a really specific problem and have a particular solution just for that problem, then it's not scalable. So it's not efficient. So are there any general points around finding that balance between efficiency and scalability as well as solving for a particular problem? Is there a way to have both? I guess you alluded to it with the interconnectivity behind everything. Yeah, look, I think interconnectivity and data exchange is one part of that. 
But I know we've faced it in the Latin pay journey. One of the things I'd encourage anyone to do is start with an end goal in mind. Get really clear on what your end goal is and make sure as you build that first instance, that first opportunity, that you keep that roadmap to your end goal visible to yourself and most importantly, to your stakeholders, because often the things that constrain you aren't your own capability to build to that end goal. It's the partner who says, oh, yeah, but I chose you as a solution just for this. And I don't want to hear about what you want to do next. I just want you to solve the problem I picked you for. And you're like, well, but I can do more. So, you know, we've been really clear with our partners about what our end goal is, what we're trying to achieve, how we can add value to them what the trade-offs are for them and for us in terms of that roadmap and why it makes sense for us to partner in growth and align our incentives in growth rather than end up arguing over that thing as well. And those are the kinds of things I'd encourage anyone who's tackling that problem. Yes, you can do a lot with a really lean, ultra-lean pilot, but you do have to be able to break out of that space after you've got it done. And that requires setting up the future phases. Such good advice there, and it reminds me of the session you did in the Talking Health Tech community, a Share What You Know session on partnering for growth recently. So thank you again for doing that. It was one of our most attended sessions, actually, so that's that's fantastic. I remember from that you were talking about the importance of broadening your influences and shrinking your decision makers, and you talked just then about working with a specific end goal in mind. Are there any other key kind of points around partnering for growth that you think are really good take-home messages for people? Oh, look, I think that one of the other things we talked about in that partnering for growth piece, and it kind of comes to that bit I was talking about of goals, but is really go deep with the partner you have on why they're interested in this. What is it that they need to achieve? And not just the headline statement, not just a polite vision statement, but actually the underlying metrics of what success looks like, you know, what drives their business how they see themselves into the future and where that journey is because successful partnerships are all about alignment. If you are not aligned, you will have conflict and you will spend an awful amount of time sorting out the issues in the relationship. Whereas if you can find alignment around shared goals, shared opportunities, the best relationships I've had accelerate away from you. Because you both just naturally have an interest in doing the stuff that grows your mutual business and nobody ever comes back and says, oh, I'm not getting the fair share of the pie or whatever the, you know, all the issues we've all had in partnerships over the years. But those kinds of opportunities flow out of people being excited to work together and seeing the benefits in working together every day. I think there's always a challenge where one side of the relationship feels like, oh, I've got to invest today for a payoff later. And and that goes to you, the, what we we're just talking about, about the small pilot. Like, oh, I'm losing money now, but I'll make money later. Well, the challenge is always later sometimes doesn't come. Mm. Well, that's a big thing. It gets discussed a lot about, particularly for the early stage companies where they just want to, they need to get runs on the board. They need to demonstrate and have a reference site and a pilot, and they'll likely decide to do it for free or at cost and just to be able to say we've demonstrated and then they can hopefully then convert that into a contract or use that for a subsequent conversation. But is there any advice? Should people be looking to avoid those types of situations or put the right terms around it? Look, I think you've got to do what you've got to do to get credibility in your business. So there's things you'll do to get a you know a logo in your 
pitch deck and things you'll do to build your credibility that you are a valid solution and you need to be able to test. But as soon as possible, you need to understand the economics that are going to drive your business. The other thing you've got to be really careful about as an early stage business is the partner who offers you revenue where you don't want it. Because I have seen plenty of people, particularly those bootstrapping, who've been dragged off on, you know, long winding journeys of building out product capability for a particular contract opportunity or doing work to chase revenue that isn't their core roadmap to their future. And those parties, you know, you can waste a lot of time, honestly. You can end up running a business you don't even recognize because you've not, the bootstrapping's great, but sometimes you need to know what is it I came here to do and how do I get myself and keep myself on that path to deliver that piece? Because in health tech particularly, there are some long grinds. Persistence pays off, but, you know, you've got to be there for the journey. And that is a mix of getting enough revenue in, but also staying on track enough through that time phrase. You hear people talk about too how if there's someone in front of you saying, I want to give you money if you build this and the thing you're going to build is not the thing that you came to do, it's kind of really hard to say no when the money's right there because you need that to be able to keep the business afloat. But if then you take on that project, you don't have the time and resources to be able to build the thing that you were set out in the first place. So um, it's it's also the case, Pete, that most people will offer you money to make you more like your competitors. They'll go, oh, if you could be like your competitors but cheaper, I'll give you some money. And honestly, if you want to compete on price, great, go do that. But most of us are looking for ways to differentiate, to bring really new solutions to market, to really change the game in capability. And honestly, sometimes that involves saying no to the customer who says to you, oh, if you could just go away and be more like the industry leader, I'd buy you. Well, if I wanted to be like the industry leader, maybe I'd go work for them. Those kinds of opportunities are really important to test out, at least. As part of that market match, you really need to understand how important are these things to customers and how important is it to your strategy to get that differentiation right as well. Yeah. And having that clarity and confidence in that vision and what you came to deliver in the first place. So that's some great... Great advice, I'm sure, has got many people thinking about how they go about things. And then thinking lastly then, Simon, you know, looking into 2022, I think this episode will drop near the end of this year uh, of 2021. So as business owners, people just operating in business in their healthcare or technology space, look at how they're going to grapple with the new normal or whatever we call it. Are there any things that people should be thinking about when it comes to innovation and healthcare to make the most of what's ahead? Look, I think there's some great foundations that have been laid in really tough times through 2020 and 2021, we have not wasted a crisis in health tech. And you only have to look at the growth of telehealth and other capabilities around that and the way we're really thinking about digital engagement of patients and customers and employees in different ways. So my sense is that has triggered and really pushed us over the tipping point for digital health. So I'm expecting 2022 to bring fantastic new momentum and chances for us all to keep challenging those sort of rules we've inherited from the past that are standing in the way of the digital health agenda. You know, really smart conversations are ahead and it's going to take a lot of change agents to keep pushing into the things that need to be changed. But I think that probably the biggest thing is I look at and I think about where the healthcare system is as a whole is there's been so much pressure 
on the system. There's been so many people across the hospital system, across allied health, across GPs, dealing with really tough times. And that's flowed through to a lot of the partners as well. And I think people need to make sure that in 2022, they're looking after their people, they're supporting their people to do great work and setting themselves up for what could be the next most exciting phase. And that's going to be built around great people and great capability. And I think making sure that your people are in a position to take that leap with your business is such an important part of what's ahead. Love this conversation, Simon, and always a pleasure to chat with you here or in the community or anywhere else around. We might even get to catch up in real life soon, so I'm that'll be looking forward even to better. It. I'm really looking forward to it, Pete. <laughs> but look, we'll put some show notes in this episode uh, on the podcast for people to check out if they wanted to get in touch and see more of what you do. Look, Simon, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.